There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're on? on. Wow, I didn't realize. I thought there was going to be a big opening, a band, and a whole thing. God bless. Right out of the gate. uh, Right out of the gate. It's been long in the works. It has been long in the works. Welcome to the Hot Stove Show presented by the great people at Mattress Direct. I'm Timothy Michael McKernan. And look, everybody, it's the voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Dan McLaughlin. Great to be here. Um, We have talked to... I'll tell you what, this has been... When I say a long time... In the works. It's been a long time in the works. I mean, we were talking about doing this years ago, and then we did a little bit at spring training, and now uh, it's all come to fruition. And a a conversation that we had, I I guess it was probably, oh, I'd say, oh, man, uh, a few months ago, and we said, well, should we do it at spring training again? And then it became, do we do it at spring training? And then I said, maybe we should do it around Christmas. And then you said, well, maybe we should start it before Christmas. And then we both said, do we start it, you know, in November? Because at that point, that's when really the hot stove. That's when it gets going. Gets going. And, uh, and here we are. So this is exciting. Um, I'm, I'm proud to do this. Uh, I think this is the greatest baseball town in America, if not the country and, and uh, or the world. Because people are always talking about baseball. Everywhere I go, and I'm sure it's the same thing with you and on your show in the mornings, I mean, people are always talking baseball. I mean, everywhere I go, it's, are they getting Harper? Uh, what, are, what are they going to do with Yachty once his deal's up? Is he going to play another 10 more years? Um, you know, are, are you excited about the season? Yeah, yeah. You know, all those things happen. And uh, so we just figured, why not just start talking about it now? So I love talking baseball. I love interacting with the fans. The fans have been great to me, and, and I'm sure you love talking baseball, too. It's what we do all the time, so why not do something like this? This is, uh, this is a production that a lot of people have worked on. There are four people behind all of these phones that are shooting us both on Twitter and on Facebook right now. Uh, Pete, Nick, Joe, Roderick, Patrick Donnelly, uh, they have all been working so hard to set this whole thing up, and we're grateful to Mattress Direct Design Air Heating and Cooling and Triad Bank for making it possible. This is our first show, although on Monday night uh, we had our Q&A at the Improv Shop presented by Bud Select, and I really, even if I wasn't hosting that with you, I would have just been sitting in the audience anxious to hear what John Mazalak had to say. If there's one thing from that conversation... And we're going to play a few of those sound bites. Yeah. But if there's one thing that stood out from you from that conversation with John Mazalak, what stood out to you as you listened? Oh boy, um, probably the Harper talk, I guess. I, I, just because everybody's talking about Bryce Harper around town, and just to see, you know, where they're at with Harper, um, just where they're at in terms of at least visiting with him and and Scott Boris and. Has there been groundwork? Are you interested? And every team seems to be at this point, at least kicking the tires, so to speak. Yeah. So I, I would say that was the the number one thing with that. Um, that was what I took away. Um, and, and before John was on stage, and, and you had kind of talked to me about it, like what do, what do I think? And I think a lot of teams say, okay, we're comfortable paying him a lot of money early in the deal because he's twenty six. 
and I'm, I'm, you know, saying from a team's perspective, you know, year 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, I'm cool with it, mm-hmm. right? Paying him a boatload of money. And then 31, 32, 33, you know, if it's a 10-year deal, I'm not real comfortable with it. And I felt John was kind of going, I don't want to put words in his mouth, and we'll hear from him in just a moment. Um, that's kind of the, the feeling I, I got. Uh, but again, you know, anything's on the table and I think it gets, you know, heated up when you get to the, the winter meetings, but that's what I took from it. I'm not sure the Cardinals are comfortable with that 10 year deal in the latter stages of it, but that's what I got from it. I'm not sure if that's what you took away from it. That was number one. Um, and the other thing I took away from it, which I thought was unbelievably cool. And I thought it was the best part of the night. I love this part. We had one of the fans and I thought it was just amazing that John was comfortable saying, hey, if you're a fan, and we had said, hey, fans, John, are you cool with a fan coming up and grabbing a mic? And, we encouraged questions. Right. We, we wanted that. And a fan, and I'm paraphrasing this one too, but he said, uh, you know, John, I, I just want to say uh, I'm not sure that Theo or Dave Dombrowski, um, and who was the other one? He mentioned another guy oh, too yeah. uh, from uh, uh, the uh, – Was it Cashman? Yeah, Brian Cashman yeah. would be doing this, but thanks a lot for doing this, and here's my question. And and Mo was like, I appreciate that. And he answered the question, and he answered it, you know, honestly, and answered it uh, thoroughly. And I, I just thought that was really cool. You mm-hmm. know, here's a guy that's been in the organization uh, nearly 25 years, and, uh, and, and as we pointed out, he had been – uh, in a, a role with the Cardinals now is either the GM or the president of baseball operations. He's never had a losing season. He's won a World Series. He's been to multiple World Series. And here he is on the at the improv shop on a Monday night, and it's freezing cold, and he's just home from the GM meetings, and here he is answering questions from the general public. Yeah. I just I kind of surveyed the whole thing, and I thought, that's really cool. And we were doing it for a charity, and I, I just kind of thought that was neat, you yeah. know. So that was one of the things I took away from the other night. I thought uh, the thing that Derek Gould, we talked to Derek Gould, who was there. I don't know if he, I guess he didn't write about it. I don't know if he's going to write about it. I'm sure he'll talk about it in his chat that he does. Mm-hmm. But he said Mazalak is oftentimes really candid in these settings. And mm-hmm. so he wanted to see what he had to say. And the first question came from a gentleman who I happen to know, James Carlton, and said, we heard a lot about this Stanton, Ozuna, Yelich situation. And it's kind of been out there that the Cardinals messed up by getting Ozuna as opposed to Yelich. Can you explain what happened? And Mazalak told the story that I've seen Derek and heard Derek tell. You've probably told it as well about how well they were interested oh, in I Stanton. Didn't know, no, I, oh, you I didn't, didn't know those details on I it? Knew you probably some, knew. But he, he got into it a little bit more than I thought he would. Yeah. That, that they were interested in Stanton. Then it became, well, Ozuna's available, Yelich isn't available, and they didn't want to get shut out on that Marlins fire sale. Right. And so they made the move there. Milwaukee sat back. And then they were able to get Yelich. And right. I think, and I don't know how you feel about this, this is strictly intuition here, that if you put Mazalak and the Cardinals on a lie detector this time last year, before Stanton went to the Yankees, Ozuna to the Cardinals, or Yelich to the Brewers, I think that they would have said, you, we can have any three. It's like a fantasy draft. With the contract situations as they are and the players as they are, we'll take Yelich. I think most teams would have done that. Because of the control, right. age, Certainly not the monster contract sitting out there that Stanton you would yeah. be absorbing. Yeah, and you know the other thing was that you know apparently they had a deal in place to get Stanton. You know that was in place and they're ready to take on the contract. So that that's one of the things that I find really fascinating is that while some um, in the fan base say, "Well, the Cardinals don't spend money," I mean they've spent the money. Um, now, have they spent it wisely? I think is probably the bigger question. 
you know, talent evaluation on some of the players that they brought in, that can be questioned. Uh, but have they spent the money is not the question. They've spent the money, and they've been in the upper half of spending money. And then you couple that with the fact that they were willing to take on one of the biggest contracts in the history of professional sports in Stanton. So they're spending the money. Now, back to the, the point that you're bringing up, which was um, Yelich. Man, you know, like yeah. you said, it was a month later, and all of a sudden all He's bets available. are off. He's available, and, and now you got uh, Ozuna. Now, let, let's further the story. Um, something that Derek Gould has been reporting on, and Mo did touch upon it also the other night, was you know, not only are they going and looking at particular players and, and, and seeing how they're doing with just a phone call, but he said essentially they're not only making that phone call, but they're also following up in person and saying, what are you doing? Yeah, you know where yeah. are you health wise? Where are you medically? Are you training properly? Are you following what we think is the protocol for what you need to be doing to get prepared so that when you show up for spring training, everything is you know on track to to get you boom ready to roll from the minute we go uh, for spring training. So I th- I thought that was interesting too, um, and as we continue to do this, uh, and I find this. Incredible because the Blues play tonight and Slew played last night and Mizzou's going to the Virgin Islands and Mizzou's bowl eligible. Here we are and probably everybody's going to be talking about what we were talking about the other night. It's front and center, yeah, which is it's amazing how that works. Cardinals baseball. That's what I see when we're, we're doing the show in the morning. And if we're talking about take your pick of any of those topics you listed, you know, it's kind of slow on the text inbox. <laughs> right. And then, you know, we get into the discussion and we played some of John Mazalak sound bites, which we'll do here in a moment uh, on Bryce Harper, take your pick. And that's when the texts fly in. It's just right. the nature of the fan base here, which is great. I love it that way. You love it that way. I do. It's fun that way to have it, have those kinds of discussions. So that's what this show will be throughout the course of the offseason. We're going to be doing this once a week up until spring training. Oh, by the way. And then Dan and I will both be down there doing it twice a week. Do I interrupt too much? No. You're so self-conscious. You don't well, need I to do. Be so I self-con- get a little self-conscious. <laughs> I, I, Anybody I get, needs to be self-conscious. You know, it's me. I'm the mess here. I mean, you're, Not really. You're, no, no, no. I think, I think I'm the mess. Well, I mean, you're we, the legitimate voice of the Cardinals. No, because I'm, I'm, the, the, I'm the creep, you know? Well, right now I'm in the fan pen, so I'm in the mess. <laughs> well, you're in part of the fan pen. You're also on Twitter. You are, you are in the septic tank that is. But you're, we're all over Facebook and Twitter right now. And so far, it looks like for the most part... Uh, especially this gentleman here, especially since I think you run into his parents at Coors Field, it seems. That's uh, that's young Deke. You run into his parents. Great people. Dennis and Denise Dotem. Oh, they're, they're fabulous people. And he's in the chat. Very, very wholesome people. And, and Deke, uh, I, I appreciate all your support on Twitter throughout the summer. Thank you very much. He says, very nice person. and we welcome your comments and questions throughout, whether yeah, it be on I Periscope really or... That, yeah. Oh, they're coming in. And, and it's fitting, perhaps, Dan, that Deke is our first comment. Hey, guys, I just want to say that this hot stove is extremely hot mm. so see mm. he's he's already and that's why it's so nice that you yeah. get to run into him at Coors Field so we have what a, what a way to start <laughs> absolutely it's <laughs> fitting but I'm telling you because you know there's going to be things that pop up there are going to be rumors there's going to be these highs there's going to be these lows of yeah. of the offseason and we ride it throughout you know doing what, the though? show I, I don't I don't think so because when you get to so we have our first disagreement I guess oh what do we got this well, is good I'll be Shannon Sharp those. you be Skip Bayless <laughs> we're not going there <laughs> Wait a minute, I can't say that. I work for Fox. Uh, but I'm an independent contractor. You are. Maybe I can say that. Yeah, you're 1099 um, all day. Yeah, okay. So, um, because I think what's going to happen here is that this actually is maybe the only kind of down week in baseball. Now you have the like the awards that are going on yeah. right now, some of the rookies uh, of the year and 
Cy Young and some of those things are coming out, and then you go into the winter meetings, and that's when it really yep. starts to get First week of December in Las Vegas, right? Right. And uh, I honestly, if there's a sponsor out there that wants to take Tim and I oh uh, to God. Vegas, we'd be fine oh. with that, and we'll take that oh. remote, this this fine production. That God, we're doing. I would we'll be all over that. Do that. I would be, we're being serious. Uh, right yes, now. we are. We'll <laughs> figure out how to get another microphone and some guests there. Um, but then... You know, before you know it, you've got the winter warm-up, and the Cardinals have their fantasy camp, and we do the caravans, and then it's spring training. Yep. Our first game on Fox Sports Midwest is, the, I believe, the 23rd of February. How about that? The 23rd of February, and we're going to wind up doing, I think, 15 spring training games, and then it's uh, the very end of March is, is the opener, and you're off and running. And away we go. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, six months, and... You start it all over again. I think the thing that will be different, we asked Mosaic about this on yeah. Monday night, is this offseason is going to move much more quickly than what you had last year. And yes. I thought that was interesting. He explained why he thought that was a slow-moving offseason. It's because he had a team that was in fire cell mode. So right. everybody was kind of waiting, and then that right. was a domino effect in particular on the outfielders since they were giving away their outfielders. Yeah, um, and the other thing, too, uh, you've got the two big chips with Harper and Machado. Yeah. So you kind of see where that falls, and then everything else. You got the secondary market, so to speak, and then it rolls. Mm. I mean, things just kind of you, you figure out the marketplace, just like in any other realm of business to an extent. But the secondary market, third market, and then it just it starts to go. Um, in terms of what the Cardinals need, I, I know we're going to get a lot of fans. Yeah, a bunch asking, of comments are coming in. This is great. I'm looking forward um, to taking these questions. You know, I, I've been asked a ton about this, and uh, you were asking me about this the other day, and and Mo. Really interesting. This is the other thing that stood out to me, too. I, I said to Mo, is it imperative, and I'm paraphrasing again because I always like to make sure I Absolutely. preface it, but is it imperative to get a power left-handed bat? And that's what I think that they need. So as we speak, on November 14th, Dexter Fowler's coming back, so that's a left-handed bat, you would assume. Um, I thought that they would need a left hand They're very right-handed heavy. So now you have Fowler coming back and a switch hitter. That's a left-handed bat. Um, I thought you know, middle of the lineup, left-handed bat would be something that they're looking at power. Mm-hmm. And he said, we're looking at any impact. Remember that he said that yep. any impact middle of the order bat. So that's what they're looking at. I would assume that maybe that comes from the third base side. That would be something maybe that they're looking at. Um, and then another aspect that he's looking at is uh, a left-handed reliever to get lefties out. Yeah. And it just, for whatever reason, it just has not worked out with Brett Cecil. Um, you know, year two of that deal, and um, I, I can't quite figure it out. I mean, I, I look at sabermetrics. Um, in, in my job, Tim, and I don't mean to go off, you know, and by the way, on this show, there is no time limit. So. Oh, it's a free-for-all. Yeah. We I mean, might go seven hours here today. It's fun. Yeah. You know, we just kind of go on tangents. Absolutely. But, you know, in, in my line of business, I, I have to try to cater to different crowds. I know that the younger fan really is into most if not all, or maybe some don't, uh, but a lot that I hear from are really into the, the sabermetric look at the game. So I try to understand that as, as, as much as I can. Um, and I'm getting back to the point of Cecil. And then, you know, some fans don't like that. They like the stories. And uh, our older fans really love the stories of like Tim and the 60s and the 70s right. and whatnot, and even before then. So the point is with Cecil, you could see diminished velocity, spin rate, some of those things just aren't where they were. Um, since in comparing Toronto or even since he got to St. Louis, even with St. Louis, I've seen some of that diminished. So in other words, it's highly unlikely that it's suddenly going to turn. I would think, but you know, I've seen other guys make 
you know, Justin Verlander. Now he's a, a different case. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, his his velocity jumped again. Like he got back to where, to an extent where he was. Uh, uh, a guy like Kershaw has talked about. I want to get back my velocity. Now, how you do that with age? I I don't know how that happens, but some guys are able to do it. So. You know, they're going to try to do some different things, I'm sure, with Cecil, but it's a big spring training for him. The greater point, though, is that Moe is going to try to find a guy, a lefty, to get somebody out. Now, if you follow the minor leagues like I do and on my website, scoopswithdannymack.com. Yeah, Brian Walton on a regular basis. He was on today, and and they re-signed Tommy Lane, who is a uh, a local kid that has had major league time, um, and that's kind of a backup plan if they wanted to have him. He's a guy that can get lefties out and actually finished up at Memphis last year. So they, they do have fallback guys that, that are in the minor leagues that, that they could maybe take a longer look at. But the point being, if on the, the open market they can find a lefty, I'm sure they're going to try to do that. Yeah, that seems like that's a major priority along with that impact bat. It's just a matter of which way that goes. Hey, the reason we're able to do this and uh, hopefully do it quite a bit Uh, as we'll see what winds up happening here, whether it be just with the Cardinals or we expand to go beyond this, is because of our sponsors. And our very first sponsor Dan and I met with was Pat McCurran at Mattress Direct. And he jumped on board right away. Thank you, Pat. Uh, Mattress (laughs) Direct is our uh, presenting sponsor uh, of the program. And so, therefore, we want to make sure that we let our audience know about Mattress Direct and why we are so happy that they're on board. I've I've known Pat a couple of years now. And he has really grown his business, which is a credit to him. Uh, And the reason why I think they've had great success is that they specialize with certified sleep specialists. Uh, They don't work on commission, and they make it easy to find the right mattress in three easy. That's the thing that we want to influence here. Uh, easy steps. With a local sleep specialist working at a local factory direct showroom, they make local products that are better for the economy and the environment. And if you don't have to truck them across the country, they're fresher for less farm to table. Brand name mattresses direct from the factory. America's best value guaranteed. Get the mattress that fits one size fits all. All beds at department stores or online might work for a guest bedroom or for the kids, but you'll pay less and you'll sleep better when you shop at Mattress Direct. Check them out. They're on Twitter at STL Mattress, and you can check out their website, stlmattressdirect.com. I used to have sleep problems. It's the absolute worst when you do, and so I am very grateful for a good mattress from Mattress Direct, our presenting sponsor here on the Hot Stove Show, throughout the course of the offseason and then also Spring training. So, Dan, we made reference to what we had on uh, Monday night at the improv shop, which was John Mazalock. And let's start with uh, these sound bites. The one that was the headline, and you hit him right away. I mean, you, you introduced him, and before the, <laughs> the, the K in Mazalock was even out, you said, What about Bryce Harper? And we went right to it because that's what the people wanted. Yes. We give the people what they want. Uh, here is John Mazalock. This is our new technology. Let's see if it works. This is, this is launching the rocket for the first time. Here is John Mazalock on Bryce Harper. You have to remind yourself of is, is that, first off, if you want to sit in it a long time, you can't make too many mistakes. But more importantly, like whenever you go out and, and, and make a big splash in the free agent market or, or you know, sign someone to, to an extended period of time, seven to ten years in, in that range, you, you sort of lose sight of that the day you do it. And, and, and I think like I, w- I would just caution most people to say, like, look, I get it. It'd be exciting. It'd be fun. But what do we look like on those out years? And, and I think like if you, if you honestly take a step back and you look at 
how well 10-year contracts had performed over, over the life of those, there, aren't, there haven't been too many that have been arguably successful. And, and you know, I think that's one of the things that you have to do in this business is, is understand that you're not just playing for this season. You're, you're really in this for the long haul. And, you know, Dan pointed out that, that one of the things that, that we've done over, over my time as, as a general manager has been we have won. And, and it might not be to the level that everybody expects or wants, but it is to the point where we have a sustainable model. Now, I don't disagree that, that when you look at our current club and where we're at, we're missing something. But is that something at the tune of $350 million, or could that be something that we could address either in the free agent market or the trade market that doesn't necessarily create that same type of liability? Now. I'm not saying what we're doing yet. I mean, it's still pretty early. So there it is, John Mazalak uh, talking about Bryce Harper. I'm curious what your takeaway is on it. My thought process was his comments matched Bill DeWitt, the chairman's comments regarding the Cardinals in these long-term contracts. And I get the sense that they're going to be interested to a point, mm-hmm. and I don't think they're willing to. He, he focused on you know looking at deals that have gone with, organizations given about 25 to 30% of their payroll to one player and how historically they really haven't worked. And I think they're so conscious of that for the phrase they use over and over again, which is sustained competitiveness, that I think that could be the barrier if this thing goes into something closer to $400 million. What's your takeaway? Yeah, I also I think Mo is proud of the fact that he's won a lot, and the business model has been that they haven't overpaid and part of that is sustained success, uh, and you don't have a cap. And so part of that is development with players. And, well, first of all, drafting and then developing, which they've done. And then when you think about it, you know, when Mo has let – me, let me go back for just a second. When you look at the mid-2000s, they knew the model of what they were doing, Tim, in baseball was changing. Yeah. So the, the model was rolling – and even before that, uh, Edmonds, McGuire, McGuire, um, Kyle Veers, all those guys. I mean, it, that was we're gonna we're gonna get rid of our young talent. We're gonna bring him in. We're gonna get him in this environment, and we're gonna pay him. That stopped. And to Bill's credit and Mo's credit, they knew that that model was gonna change because the economics were exploding. And if you read the book by Howard Medgall, it's a fascinating book, The Cardinal Way. And um, matter of fact, there's some of the guys that are still. Uh, players that were drafted that are mentioned in that book that are now with the Cardinals. Really? Oh, it's a fascinating book. I, I talked to Howard about it, talked to Bill about it, talked to Mo about it. Walt Jockety's in there. Um, uh, Jeff Luno's prominently in that book. Many of the scouts that are with the Cardinals are now Houston. Are all. It's really a neat book. But they knew the model had to change. And so they became at the forefront of how they – Took the model, changed it, and now they were at the forefront of baseball. Now everybody was chasing them in baseball, and now they got to change it again. And they're trying to figure out different ways, whether it be through nutrition, sleeping, all those different things of trying to, like, what do we need to do to get back to that, you know? Yeah. Um, and so they've been at the forefront of that. My point being is that I think they realize they, they've had very good success. Uh, they've done things the right way. And if they stray off that, um, it, you know, it, it's chancy. It's a gamble. Now – I'm going to say that with a caveat. Um, The face of the franchise right now is Yadier Molina. And I thought you asked a a good question, and Mo said, you're right. It was at the very end when you said, are you 
seeking a face of the franchise this right. offseason. And and he said, well, I, you know, I was meeting with the writers and other media in October, and he said, I, I, I don't think he said I misspoke. He said, we do have one. It's Molina, and I, I wanted to make that clear. Molina is a face of our franchise for at least two more years. And, by the way, seeing is believing if Yachty does retire. I'll, when I see it, I'll believe it. <laughs> uh, but after that, who is that next guy? Um, I'm not sure it's in the system right now. Um, they do have some really, really good young hitters and position players coming up, and that's something that I don't think fans know about yet. It's coming. Yeah. Uh, and they haven't had that in a while. They've had pitching, and we're seeing that pitching now. Do you have to go back to Tavares? I think so. Yeah. You know, they've got Nolan Gorman. They've got some other kids. They've got a guy that won the Triple Crown down in the Dominican uh, Baseball League that they love. Uh, they drafted a kid that they love that, that hit very well. Uh, the high school kid that they drafted I'd mentioned is a kid that they love. But they're, you know, they're, they're two years away probably at least, if not three. And that's my guess. Yeah. Um, we'll know more in spring training and as the year goes on. So uh, so there really isn't somebody that you go, yeah, that's that's the guy. Because yeah. even before Tavares was here, people were going, that's the guy. Right. You know, and you don't have that right now. No. So that's the thing that I'm curious if they, because that, that's, that's part baseball, but it's also part business that mm-hmm. people want to come to the town to watch the guy play. And I don't I know if that. that exists right now. I, I wonder <clears throat> and how important it is in their pursuit. So for example, if they were to get Josh Donaldson, that I don't think See, that that's, lights that's the though, fire. In my opinion, at his age, that's a stopgap. Right. See, that's a stopgap to that guy. I agree hundred percent. And Lean is a two year guy, assuming he retires in two years to the next guy, you know, where Harper is 10 years of a guy that's going to excite you. And, and I mentioned this the other day, and I, I believe this. Now, I'm a baseball guy, and I I love baseball. I mean, I, I played it as a kid, and I followed the Cardinals, and I love the Cardinals. And you, you were know. legitimately a good ball player. Now, you're going to oh, downplay I don't know about it. That. I oh, don't. but you, you play college ball. Yeah, but so what? I mean, I got cut from the freshman team at St. Louis so U High. I mean, I played. <laughs> You, you play Major League Baseball, that's legitimately a good baseball player. So those guys are good. The worst player in the Major Leagues is a great player. Yeah, They're the best in the world. Interest. So um, I love it. I mean, I follow the minor leagues. Like, I I will go home and read up on – Are you nerd out on the minors? Oh, yeah. Yeah? I, I, I go home and watch minor league baseball. Wow, that's to Ari- another level. I watch the Arizona Fall League, for God's <laughs> sakes. That's weird. Even my wife is I, like, I, I, I will you? agree with you on that. You got a weird point here at a yes. table that I'd never think you'd get I a weird do. point. <laughs> I, yes, I, I watch that stuff. I love it. So I, I do. I follow all that stuff. So, I mean, I follow it. I love it. Um, I've been following Bryce Harper and reading about him since he's been 12, 13, 14 years old. I mean, I've been hearing about him since that time. Really? I mean, I, you know, I, I talk to guys in scouts that, you know, travel and hear about these kids and stuff. And I, so I, for me, a guy that follows it and a guy that loves the game, you know, would I love to see him here? Yeah. I mean, he's an, he's an intriguing character to me. So would I pay money as a fan to go watch that guy play every day? Absolutely. Mm. You know, I, when I go watch him, when we play, when the Cardinals play Washington, do I specifically go watch him take batting practice or fly balls and stuff? And sometimes he doesn't. A lot of times he doesn't take BP with the team. He takes it underneath. Mm. I do. I I, I do. I, when Nolan Arenado's taking ground balls, I'll specifically watch him take ground balls because I think he's the best defensive player I've seen since Scott Rowland. So, I mean, 
I'm a geek. Okay, I mean, <laughs> that's just the way it is. Good. I think I it's mean, healthy. <clears throat> uh, when Scott Rowland was here, I would go out and watch him early. When I was a kid, I'd go watch. I would get to the ballpark early and sometimes leave after Ozzy took ground balls and not stay for the game, specifically to watch him take ground balls because I thought it was fascinating. So, I mean, that's how deep into baseball I love it. Um, there are certain guys, like I would love in spring training, I'd go watch Stanton take BP because we're always right. you know, seeing the Marlins, and every time he'd take a swing, it was going to right field, and you wouldn't even see him at a home run. Every, All I'd be doing is grinding opposite field? Really? Everything right field. Everything right field. So he'd stay on the ball every time. And then you'd see him in a game, and he'd hit one 500 feet into the wind. It was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, the power. Six. So what do you see from Harper when you're able to see the things that we're not seeing you know, when um, he's in an Just bat. incredible power. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the, the thing that I see more than anything is just his bat speed is just ridiculous. I, I, his bat speed to me, and, and people talk about you love seeing guys that are big, right? I mean, that's that's – when you watch McGuire, he was raw power because he was so big and swung a, a, the bat looked like a toothpick yeah. in his hands, and he hit it, you know, 500 miles. But when I watch guys with great sp- bat speed, that's pretty incredible, um, and that's what I see out of Harper. Um, and the fact, like this year, he hit a ball this year against the Cardinals that was deep. So he's here, and the ball's coming here, 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 here. It, it's going back almost in Yachty's glove, and he hits it down the left field line, and it turns into a home run. There aren't many human beings, much less Major League Baseball players, that can do that. For instance, the other day, Juan Soto of the, the Nationals, a great young player, 19 years old, hits one the opposite field against the Japan. I actually saw that one, yep. And I'm like, holy smokes, yep. this kid's 19 and hits one that far, that deep in the box. That's an amazing thing for me as a, as a guy that watches it every day. That's amazing. Like, wow, I nerded out over that. That's a neat <laughs> thing to, for me to see. So, I mean, little things like that I like to watch. Um that's the, the and, and then when you see a guy hit one and he turns on and he gets a cookie and he's guessing a cookie and he gets it right where he's going to get it and, and he hits it 500 ships feet, it, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? So, I, you know, that's I the, the intrigue of Harper to me is is great. But from a Cardinal perspective, he's what they need. Power bat, left handed, can play right field, can play center, can play left. And he's a superstar. And and also. He's coming to a baseball town, and what many f- fans may not know, this guy loves uh, the history of, of baseball. And so if you want the history of baseball, is there a better place yeah. than New York or St. Louis or, you know, L.A. or, you know, I mean, you're, you're going to a historic franchise in, in St. Louis in, in terms of any sport. The Cardinals are one of the most historic uh, professional sports franchises in any sport. So it, it'd be pretty cool. So it, it could be a match, and I think that's why a lot of people are anxious to see, and I would include myself in this category, if the Cardinals are active in the Harper discussion. I think most people at this oh, point... I think they're active, for sure. And how, like, will they be in the final two, three, four? I don't know, you know? And so we Wouldn't ask... you love to be, by the way, a fly on the wall with Scott Boris and, and Mr. DeWitt just sitting there, you know shooting the bowl, having a little cup of coffee, and, and they start talking, you know, Scott's got his thing that's probably this big telling you why he's the next coming of Babe Ruth and what he means to a franchise, and Mr. DeWitt's got, you know, listening and just take I would I, – to me, that's fascinating. Yeah. I'd love to be a fly in the Yeah, world. and how that whole thing goes out and who yeah. actually is legitimately involved. One of the reasons why I think there is especially some great intrigue this offseason is because you have an element of the fan base, and I don't think it's like a, a wing. I think it's a healthy percentage 
that feels like, okay, you get 3 million fans a year plus. You haven't been to the postseason since 2015. Haven't won a playoff series since 2014. It's time to have some urgency. John Mozellick acknowledged there's urgency, but let's see the team go out and spend. Ozuna was a trade. Let's see the team go out and spend. And so I asked John Mozellick on uh, Monday night what his reaction is when fans make the criticism that the Cardinals are not willing to spend money here is what he had to say on Monday night. I think it's, it's always frustrating for someone that sits in my seat because, you know, we are playing at, at, at roughly 150 to $160 million payroll every year. And, you know, we're not New York, we're not Chicago, we're not L.A. And, and I think a lot of people that follow sports always feel like, well, you know, football, everybody's spending the same. Well, they have a cap. We don't. And, and so we sort of, you know, we eat what we kill. In other words, if we bring in enough revenue, we, we then put it out there. But, you know, we're still not playing on a level playing field. And, and I would say that, you know, I don't think how much you spend should be the proxy of how good you are. Um, you know, you, we've certainly made mistakes out spending something because usually when you get a player in free agency, the proxy is the dollar. And, and so what I would say is you, you got to be efficient. And, you know, one of the things that un- under Mr. DeWitt we've always tried to do is, is build our pipeline. And for the St. Louis Cardinals to truly be sustainable, that's what we have to do. That's what we have to get right. That doesn't mean we won't trade for someone. That doesn't mean we won't sign for someone. But ultimately, for us to be successful, we've got to have that pipeline flowing. All right. Uh, so there's John Mozeliak on Monday night at the Improv Shop for that Q&A. And he said he bristles a bit when he hears the criticism regarding spending money. And in my whole thing, and that's how I framed the question to him, is if you do operate off the premise that the Cardinals were in on John Carlos Stanton and a trade had been agreed upon, then how can you say that they're cheap? Uh, and, and, And I don't know how the two can coexist. And so that's the one thing that I push back on uh, when it's brought up, whether it be on social media, whether it be on the radio show, whether it be on podcast, uh, and I'm sure we'll get comments yeah. as we have them in the uh, the Triad Bank viewer line there uh, regarding the organization spending money. I just I really disagree with that. It's it's what similar to what you said earlier. How they've evaluated talent, how they've spent the money, that to me is certainly worthy of criticism and discussion. But whether or not they're like hoarding money and don't care about losing because they have three million fans coming in. I just I disagree with that, and it's not a disagreement based on opinion. I feel like it's a disagreement based on fact. You don't go and acquire what was kind of an irresponsible contract that the Marlins gave Stanton if you're not willing to spend three hundred million dollars. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to spend that kind of money, you're 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 willing to spend a pretty healthy investment. Mm-hmm. So they're willing to spend, and like we said, if, if you know you want to question Cecil or Fowler, cer- certainly that's on the table. Um, the, the bottom line is, I think, going into the season is that they know 88 wins is not good enough. So 90, 95 with Milwaukee coming, you know, Chicago's going to be good. I think Cincinnati's going to be better. Um, when I look at what they had last year as a lineup, if they get any pitching. Oh, yeah, they need some pitching. Yeah, yeah they need pitching. Um, they're going to be better. Pittsburgh, yeah, you know, it just they, they had that run and then it went away. Um, but the team knows – They've, they've got to be better than 88 wins. Now, as it pertains to St. Louis, um, the thing I think that they feel is that 
they, there's a sense of pressure in that they didn't make it for three years in a row. Um, and they feel it from a fan base, too. Um, they know, whether it be from sponsors or they hear from fans or they hear it from season ticket holders or they hear it from talk radio or they hear it from, you know, uh, a fan that calls up and just says, you know, I'm on the fence with my tickets yeah. and coming back. I, they feel it. They know. John knows. Believe me, he knows. Um and they're they're going to do what they feel is best for the team. Now, what they, you know, one of the things that we talked about, and and this is why I reserve judgment to an extent. And I know fans are like, oh, here we go. But you get to the winter meetings. The Cardinals have something that every team needs. And if you watched it, and I mentioned this to you the other day, uh, in in the playoffs and in certainly in the World Series, is you've got to have pitching. And the Cardinals have. A lot of pitching, and we saw that come to fruition this year to the point that their entire opening day starting rotation of Memphis at some point was in I know. the big leagues. So they had a lot of pitching. They had depth to where all those guys were effective. Ponce de Leon, Gomber, Flaherty, list goes on and on. Ten to 12 guys. Alex Reyes coming back. Um, a healthy Michael Waka. I mean, they've got – They've got depth. Now, what they're going to do with that depth is is up for debate. Um, and it was interesting what Mo said. He said, now, do we think that Alex Reyes is a guy that we can, you know, pencil in for 200 innings next year? No, that, that's probably not going to happen. So you, you got to be careful with him. Waka, you, you, your fingers are crossed with health. He's had some issues. You know, Wainwright, is he a 200-inning guy? You know, who knows? So there's question marks. But. Having said that, you do have pitching, and that's something to keep in mind going forward. So if they want to be creative here and address what we were talking about, some of the needs that they have, mm-hmm. they can do that coming up in the winter meetings. And that's why you know, I reserve judgment. They can be very creative because of what everybody needs, which is pitching, and that's something to keep in mind going forward. Yeah, let's see what the people have to say. We have the Triad Bank uh, viewer line, and that's both on Periscope on Twitter at Hot Stove Show. And then at the Hot Stove Show, uh, Dan well, McLaughlin and Tim McKernan because, present. Uh, hold on, just one second. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Going to something no, 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 no. We got comments coming in, so I'm going to read a few. What do we got going on? You're uh, on Facebook right now, aren't you? I am. Uh, and my friend and our friend of the show, uh, who, by the way, is working for the Cardinals, and uh, we, I, I would encourage everybody when. What do we got going here? I, I'm serious about this. When the voting happens for the Cardinals Hall of Fame coming up this upcoming, uh, whenever that will be. Jason Isringhausen is the all-time. Is Isringhausen saves, in here? Yeah, he's the all-time saves leader in Cardinals history. He should be in the Cardinals. Oh, Hall I of agree. Fame. I feel like that's and inevitable. It, it's a no-brainer. Put him in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. I vote for him every year. He should be in. I'm oh, just absolutely. Say that. So is he in the chat? Well, right now he is. I don't know how to work Facebook, but I, it just says Jason <laughs> Isringhausen is watching. Is that right? Yeah. Well, he needs to come to the uh, the Designer Heating and Cooling Studios as a special guest. Or here's the best thing, and I can't wait to do this. You, we, we will be able to yes. turn and interview people right here, like talk to them. I did this yesterday with Stingray. I don't know how well-versed you are with Stingray, the college I, football I, fan. Uh, I've seen him uh, on your, I think, Twitter feed, and right. he, he has some great insight into the SEC. That's he all does, he does okay. indeed. So I did that yesterday with him as we were doing the dry run here, so we could do that with Isringhausen or whomever, just talking to him directly right there. But, but we I'm want people. he needs to be in the card. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I just figured like that's like a matter of is it going to be 2019 or 2020? Well, I, I think what happened with the Cardinals Hall of Fame is that you had it was backloaded the, from all these. It's yeah. backloaded, so you had some of the like you know potential Hall of Famers 
right? I mean, these guys that borderline guys, right? And and Izzy was not on that list, even though he's got three hundred saves. And so you had to get those guys through. And now you're getting the guys that were just incredible as Cardinals and Jason to get three hundred saves with the majority of those in uh, with the Cardinals, and then to to be part of one of the great eras of Cardinals baseball to be a closer. Couldn't agree with you more. It's important that he gets his due. And for those that have not seen the interview with him that I did with him, he made one of the most poignant statements that I've had on any uh, interview that I did with any of the guys that I uh, interviewed. And he's, it was really interesting. And I mean this sincerely. I, I love Jason. I think he's a great guy and a great mentor to so many of the kids that are in the minor leagues. And he talked to – he does it all the time, goes down in the minor leagues and talks to these kids. And Jason said – um, he, he said in the interview, he said, I got a, a note from the, the Hall of Fame. And he said, I was on the ballot for the Hall of Fame. And I didn't, you know, like literally from the National Baseball mm-hmm. Hall of Fame and said, you know, you're on the ballot. But, um, you know, obviously didn't get enough votes to get in. But congratulations just to be on the ballot, which is, I mean, truly, that's that's cool. I mean, to be on the oh. ballot for the Hall of Fame is a neat deal. Um, and then he said, but I'll, Jason said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, but I'll be honest, if I could ever get that red jacket and be there on opening day and to, to have that red jacket on, to be from St. Louis and Brighton, Illinois, and to, to be there with Ozzy and Willie and all these greats and Bob Gibson, he said, Man, I get goosebumps thinking about it. He said, that would, be, that would mean more to me than honestly going into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And when he said that, I thought that was the, one of the great – comments I've ever heard from any of the thousands of interviews of players I've ever done. So, Jason, if you're still watching, you need to be in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. For those that are watching, I hope they vote you in. Yeah, so uh, there's, a, there's a case to be made for when that vote comes up. I feel like it's just a matter of time. But you're right, because it only came out, what, five, six years ago was the first class, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I've emceed every year, and I think last year was number five. Okay. And it's, it's been a great thing for the organization. Really I cool. love it. Really cool. As a child yeah. of the eighties, Vince Coleman, that's uh how about his speech? Did you watch his yes. speech? Yes. It was great speech. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I, I mean and Ray's was good too. So I'm excited to see I feel like Isringhausen is just a just a matter of time. And you I know that too. there are some guys right now who, who are on this roster you know, as it is who are gonna too. be going in. Um there's the folks that run the Hall of Fame for the Cardinal. I said, man, you know, I get on the air and I kinda get and you know, a little passionate about certain guys like Izzy. I said, um, <clears throat> I said, is you know, what do you think about these debates? And they're like, oh, we love it. Yeah, we want people to debate. Like you say whatever you want to say, and and we think it's great that fans debate. And, and fans vote them in, right? Is there so there's a fan vote? There's a committee. There's a committee that uh, of the local media that that's on a like they get together in a room, and I think. Whitey's a part of it. LaRusse is a part of it. Uh, Rick Hummel, I think, was a part of it. Red was a part of it yeah. at one point, obviously. Um, and then some of the, the local media. And then they also, the organization holds another, which is more like the DeWitts and some of the others that are uh, a part of the organization. They all come together, too. Uh, and I'm kind of mix, mix and matching here. But then there's also the fan vote, too. So they put that up. Okay. There too. So all right. you, you have various committees that are there that will make sure that the the right people get in that sh- that should get in. Yeah, Isringhausen will be in. Yeah. And that'll be super cool because you know how much it means to him. Absolutely, and that's what this – It's as I explain to people all the time, it's not the Baseball Hall of Fame. This is the Cardinal Hall of right. Fame. So, you know, when when some people were saying, well, McGuire shouldn't get in, the fans voted him in. 
It was the fan vote. So the fans wanted him. He should be in. Yeah, it was cool to see that. I'm, I'm looking forward to when that happens because I know it does mean a lot to yes, him. Because I remember saying to him, he was doing the show in Edmonds and I did the radio show and he came by one time and I said, well, you'll be in there. And he goes, you really think so? I go, absolutely. absolutely. I hope so. And I go, oh, it's a matter of it's just a matter of time. Absolutely. But it's only a five-year-old thing. So it's just going to take it's like wide time. receivers in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's There's right. just a little backload. All right, questions, please bring them in, both on Twitter and also on uh, Facebook Live, where you're watching. It looks like a good number of people are watching, so that's uh, great. Uh, please feel free to ask whatever questions or your comments. That is wonderful. It is the Triad Bank viewer line. Triad Bank, the sponsor of our viewer line here on the Hot Stove Show. And uh, Triad Bank's a company that I have uh, been working with, and I guess it goes back about six, seven years. And we always talk about it, Dan, and you were excited to see it. Oh, yeah. I had never... Well, I had met Jim Regna... That's right. That's right. A couple of times at charity functions, and then we officially walked in, and he was at his desk. Right there in the lobby. Right there in the that's, lobby. That's not, not, that's not a, an exaggeration. The bank CEO <laughs> is right there in the lobby, and so we can speak to it firsthand. Dan and I had uh, lunch with uh, Jim Regna and Tom Anstey of Triad Bank a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, boy, it was so easy for me when we were doing uh, you know, a, a commercial uh, banking for Inside STL to do business with Triad Bank. Uh, they're St. Louis-owned businesses that Triad Bank focuses on. They offer a full range of banking services to commercial clients, uh, and they take a relationship-based uh, consultative approach to banking and the clients love the various events they do throughout the year where they can meet and network with other local business owners i know that the uh, for example ncaa tournament that thing's a big popular thing uh and they're just really they're just good fun people who have a great bank going right there uh just a little uh, i guess northwest of uh, clayton and Lindbergh intersection jim regna's office is in the bank lobby and he is always accessible to clients as the CEO. In addition, uh, there are so many people I know there, and like I would do business with in a heartbeat, and they all happen to be at the same place, and I have gotten to know them. Uh, it's not your typical banker, not your typical bank. It's Triad Bank, a great place for business bankers who are lifelong St. Louisans focused on St. Louis-based clients, and we're very appreciative of Triad Bank being on board with the Hot Stove Show because without sponsors we wouldn't have a program. So thank you to Triad Bank for being the sponsor Very much so. of our viewer line. So let's take a look at what we have here, and I will uh, go from the most recent, and then I'll sift through a few more because we're getting a bunch of them. Uh, do you see the Cardinals pursuing a trade with Seattle? They've been allies in recent history, and it looks like the, the Mariners are kind of going the same route that the Diamondbacks might be going. So perhaps a Segura would a Seager make sense, especially since well, we're I, keeping I, an eye on on situations with with corner infield spots. What do you think on the potential? Or if Segura, then do you move DeYoung to third, which gets well, tough? I'll start with DeYoung. I, I thought he played. It's interesting. I, I guess the eye test doesn't really sell how well he played defensively at short. Um, the metrics <clears throat> will tell you that he played very well, and I, I thought he did. Um, and I think the Cardinals are comfortable with him at short. And if you look at his deal, my goodness, his yeah. deal in terms of what he signed for is incredibly club friendly. And Paul being uh, obviously, as, as people know, as smart as he is, it's a deal that sets him up for life personally. But man, um, what a deal for a shortstop that could potentially hit you 30 to 35 home runs yeah. and play a solid shortstop. And you've got that for a long term deal. So it's something that made a lot of sense, I think, for the club and for, <clears throat> excuse me, for Paul. 
Um, I'm looking more at corner corner infield spot, and I think that's where the Cardinals get creative. So Seager, yeah, I, I think that could get on the table. In terms of Arizona, the chip that's got to fall, if I'm Arizona, it's Goldschmidt. Now he's got one year on his deal. He's 32. Um, and we talk about this in big terms. If if you're the Cardinals or in, you're in baseball, 31, 32, 33 is kind of the new ages to where that's – are you getting old? I I don't like to say old, but with PEDs out of the game, it's it's you're not young. Put it that way. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, you've noticed. I mean, there's a tangible decline on the numbers here over the yeah. last five years when you get into that thirty-one, thirty-two age, which is why the Goldschmidt thing is fascinating to me because he's got one year left, but he's he's not at the age where he's going to get a huge contract. Eight years ago, so. he would have, and it's a weird deal to see how it turned like that. Think of the ballpark he hits in. Yeah. That's something to consider, too. I'd, I'd have to really dive into that a little bit. Um, and I would think if I'm Arizona, he's got to be the chip that falls first if I'm dismantling that team, or Grinky. And Grinky's the other one with that contract, which is massive. I, I find that one, too, fascinating. What team wants to take on that deal at his age? How much more does, is on that? I, I haven't looked. Boys, could you pull that up? I'd be curious how much left on, on that Grinky deal. I haven't deal. seen uh, potentially how much is left. but you know, It's a monster. Yeah. It's a lot. If I had to wager right now, I'm curious, because I was reading this yesterday, uh, and I was surprised to read it, but then I read it, I'm like, okay, this might make sense. Where are these, where are the two wind up? Because initially I think people are just like, okay, Machado's going to the Phillies, and then it's just a matter of where Harper winds up. And I was thinking it was going to be the Cubs, and the more I read, the Cubs are like, yeah, we're stuck with Jason Hayward and you, Darvish. We can't. Uh, that's what the writers in Chicago were saying. Now, have you heard something? Because I thought with the Cubs losing in the fashion they lost, and then that core kind of getting to a point like it's now or never, that they would move the chips all in and then pair Harper with Bryant and then and then bring Bryce Harper. Now you see a report from Buster Olney talking about the possibility of the Cubs being open to trading Chris Bryant. Though You go, well, what in the hell just happened? Well, the Cubs could do the deal with Hayward at the time and offer him the opt-out because they weren't they, – they were not – there were cases where the the kids that they have were not going to be arbitration eligible until either next year or the year after. So they were staggered. And that's if you can find it where free agents or arbitration cases are staggered, it's better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you absolutely. Know, like Kansas City, when they won, you may remember all those guys came up in the same year. Yep. And, and that's why – uh, Moustakis, Hosmer, Kane, all those guys were up. So it was win at all cost on those two years, and it was over. And that's why they had to retool. Um, but if you can stagger that stuff with arbitration cases, free agency and whatnot, or opt-outs, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting what Mo was talking about with opt-outs. You know, it's it's a way for players just to make money, you know, and, and for teams to entice. And the teams are left absolutely exposed, but right. they, they basically, that's the way the game's played now in, no in, in 2018. So regarding Granky, thank you boys for pulling that up, Joe Roderick pulling that up. Uh, 2019, uh, 2020, and 2021, he will be making more than $30 million in each year. Um, as a matter of fact, it's basically $35 because you add in the signing bos- bonus. Um, which is spread out over the term of the deal. So he is now 35 years old, and he is under contract through his age 37 year, 
and it's essentially more than $100 million left on that deal. Wow. How about that? It's a lot. Woo, for a pitcher, too, I am mm-hmm. telling you. So that is uh, the Granky deal. I don't know if the Diamondbacks would be like, yeah, we'll trade you Goldschmidt, but you also have to take Granky. And I don't know if teams would even be open uh, to that. Yeah, three years, $95.5 million. If the Cardinals don't get Harper or Goldschmidt, what are their options for the offseason to be considered a, con- a success? It's a good question, Adam. It's concise to the point. How do you view that? I mean, the weird thing is on that is, We don't know what's really in play outside of those two big names. Donaldson's name comes up quite often. What do you think of him? I like him. I'm a fan. I mean, anytime you get a former MVP that serves, he's a good defender, uh, middle of the lineup guy. Um, The only questions would be health. You know, he's been injured the last couple of years. So that would be, to me, the biggest concerns, his health. Now, if you look at what he did at the end of last season um, for Cleveland, yeah, okay, um, Mustakis interests me as well. I, w- I was interested in him at the end of last year when he uh, turned down the uh, the offer from Kansas City and then wound up going back to Kansas City. I was surprised the Cardinals weren't in on that. And I thought if they weren't on it then, I'm, I, I'm interested to see if they'd be in on it now. Do you understand where I'm yeah. coming from? that? Because I thought that was perfect last year. You never know if there's something in the inner workings that media is not privy to. Oh, yeah. You know, I couldn't you, agree with you more on that statement. You never know if uh, you know certain players know something about him that they don't like. You never know. And I'm not saying that's the case with him. You just never know. Coaches talk, you know, say, eh, that guy we know a little bit. You never know. Um, but he would fit left-handed bat, corner infielder, hits for power, maybe could get him on a limited deal in terms of, you know, not having to go five years. Um, if he didn't get multi-years last year, maybe don't have to go multi-years this year. Um, that's something that would interest me. Uh, and, he, and he put up – I mean, he would have been – if you look at his numbers and fit those numbers against the Cardinals this year, he would have been either one or two in many categories, and he played well for Milwaukee down the stretch. Um, I thought what Milwaukee did with their lineup was really interesting. And, it, you know, you, you, they, they just kind of put interchangeable parts – and just threw him out yeah. there in the lineup and said, go get him, boys. And it worked. And, and it I worked. was thinking, okay, that's great, but who's going to pitch for you? And then that wound up, and it was like random dudes, too, who wound yeah. up being there on games one, game one and two start. And, and that's the thing about Milwaukee. They're going to get some of that pitching back next year that was hurt. Mm-hmm. So that's something to keep in mind as the Cardinals have to improve going forward. Uh, your questions and your comments are welcome in the Triad Bank uh, viewer line. I've been on Facebook, so now I'll switch over to Twitter to see what's going on in there. Uh, we keep hearing about Harper, but not much on Machado. Machado seems like he would be the better fit for the Cardinals' needs. That's from at TJ Grace 98 uh, What do you think on that one? I wasn't paying attention to be fully. On, I was looking. What was at, uh, was uh, Dotem back in, in, involved <laughs> I was in the chat? At the comments. Yeah, um, but we've talked about Machado, and I just don't. The question no, was Machado, Machado seems good. like a better fit. Is what the, no. the thought process was. Of this this uh, gentleman, T.J. Well, Grace, ninety eight. Let me let me just say this: if, if the Cardinals went out and said we have a news conference at four o'clock today, and it's to announce Manny Machado's coming, <laughs> I, I'm great. I'm in. Okay, I I don't have to sign the checks and. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. Um, as a fan of the game, and I, I told you this story as we were doing a podcast a couple weeks ago, and we can get a little bit longer now on, on this forum. Absolutely. Um, so we're, we're doing interleague play, and the Orioles – so I, I do just about every game, as you know, uh, and I, so I don't see innings one through nine. I just see the highlights. I see the guys hitting bombs everywhere right. and making great plays on MLB Network or whatever. And he hits a pop-up between uh, – Shallow left and short, doesn't run it out, and doesn't even get to first base. 
and this is like two years ago. Yeah. And I go over and talk to those that follow him day in and day out. And I said, what, what's the deal with that? Is he hurt? You know, I didn't know. Sure. Maybe he's hurt. I don't know. No, that's, we see that a lot. Okay. You know, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that's just what it is. So then the, the national crowd saw Machado on full display uh, in the postseason. And then backtrack again in August, he had a ground ball against the Cardinals with the bases loaded deep in the hole and didn't run it out. And I thought, man, that's just, you know, here's a guy, especially in August this year with free agency. I mean, I, I'm just thinking if this is the time to bust it, right? this is the time to bust it. And, and then he came out with a comment of, well, I think he said, I'm just not Mr. Hustle or, you know, whatever. I'm not Charlie Hustle or, and, and had the play where he stepped on Aguilar. Aguilar's ankle and, and, I don't know. I mean, I I know for fans here that doesn't fly. Now, if he became a Cardinal and hits thirty five home runs and drives in one hundred fifteen, I mean that that's forgotten in a in a heartbeat. But on a daily basis, I that doesn't really. I don't think fans gravitate towards that, especially when you're the highest paid player on the team and you're signing a big contract. Now, when you say all those things, he is an unbelievably talented player. I mean, he might be the most talented player in the world, but. It's just not pretty to watch. Yeah. I don't think fans like seeing that. But again, if they signed him right now, I mean, would he make the Cardinals a better team? Yeah, because oh, he put up it. Right. he put up big numbers, and he'd probably shift the uh, young to third, and and you'd get your middle of the order bat, and all of a sudden the Cardinals become. Um, and would you sign more tickets or sell, you know, more, sell tickets, more tickets? Sure. Yeah, I mean, with his signing, would there be excitement? Sure, all those things, but. That baggage of that stuff we're talking about, I think that lingers a little bit. Yeah, I don't. Th- I, you know, this goes back to conversations that I, I had with uh, with with Derek Gould actually when we would kind of do a state of the Cardinals after the trade deadline. He goes, "Yeah, I'm just told that Manny Machado has either made it clear to the Cardinals or uh, the Cardinals have gotten the sense that he is not interested in playing in St. Louis." Bryce Harper, on the other hand, could be a fit, which I was surprised to hear, and then that kind of. Uh, led to some some momentum with fans going Bryce Harper in St. Louis really possibly, so that leads to my question where I where I was going with this, which was I read an article yesterday and it talked about Machado going to uh, the Yankees, the Yankees then using Andahar, who finished didn't he finish second in Rookie of the Year mm-hmm. balloting, uh, I so. uh, being trade ship they acquire a starter trading him, and then if that were to happen then potentially where Machado was thought to be destined, Philadelphia, then Harper goes to Philadelphia. So I am going to go on the record here for the sake of it, and of course it means nothing, except I will remind you if I was right. Otherwise, I'll pretend like I never said it. That's how you do predictions in sports social media in 2018. I'll go Machado Yankees, Harper Phillies, Goldschmidt Cardinals. There it is. My chips are in the middle. There it is. Sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not? And if it's right, we'll play the clip over and over again. If it's wrong, I'll act like it never well, happened. Well, we're not at uh, Thanksgiving yet. <laughs> Anything's exactly on the right. table. Uh, I would say the Phillies, some way, somehow. They're going to get one of the two? Yeah. yeah. They've got so much money, and they've got to make a splash. Now, they do need to clear uh, roster space in terms of players that they have, so they've got to get creative in what they do, but they've got to make a splash because of the TV contract, the money that they have. Um, so yes, I do agree. And they with faded friends. badly at the end of the season. Yeah, so that was can, ugly. Yeah, I mean that was historically bad in, in what they did. Um, it was interesting. They, we have a question here: Do the Cardinals still believe Martinez as their ace, knowing that they have Reyes? Um, yeah, you probably have a good insight <clears throat> on what the mindset is on that. Well, I think they wait until 
they've given Reyes a, a clear – the last time I talked to people, Reyes has a clean bill of health, normal offseason, going to spring training. <clears throat> so having said that, all, all systems go with that. I liked Carlos as a closer. Now, the, the folks that I talked to, they say Carlos is back in the rotation. Now, again, we talked about winter meetings. Everything's on the table. Plethora of pitching. You never know what, what happens when you get to the winter meetings. Um, and I would say that anybody's tradable, right? Mm-hmm. Except maybe Molina and, and Wainwright. You know, they're your, your faces of the franchise that we talked about. But um, And Reyes, I think, is even if he was a guy that a team wanted, he's not. he's got to prove he's healthy, so he's coming back. But let, let's just say for, for fun and argument's sake that, that Carlos Martinez is back next year. I liked him in the bullpen. I, I liked the fact that Carlos Martinez had a chance to pitch every day. I, I liked that. I thought that was good for him. You think it was good for him? Focused I, I every did. day. Focused yeah, every I, just, day. I thought that I liked him in the back end of games, too. I, I liked his stuff there. Um, I liked Hicks in the back end of games. I, and Mo had talked to me about that, too. We, you know, they know him well. They, they think – that his mindset is good. Let's let's get him. He's a competitor. You know, he's that kind of guy. Get him in the back end of games too. Every day, chance to compete. Use that fastball. Use that hundred miles an hour plus. And and that one two combination at the back end of games can shorten everything up. And as we've seen in this day and age of baseball, as Mo talked about the other night, we talk about it every night on the games. The starters going shorter and shorter and shorter. Maybe that's something they look yeah. at. And Carlos was able, because he was built up as a starter for the most part, was able to give you multiple innings. And that's something to think about uh, as we go forward. But I, I'm intrigued by it. I don't think the Cardinals are, but it's something maybe that they uh, talk about going into this How winter. How much of that do you think is the player himself not being interested in that role? Do you think that factors in? Um Partially, but yeah. he's got his contract. So exactly, yeah, because usually that's more of a dollar yeah. thing, and he does have his contract, as you made reference to. So that's what I wondered. It's like uh, like contract. Matt Holliday used to do the impression of Trevor Rosenthal. I'm a starter at heart. You know, he always right. I, I want to be a starter because that's where the more more dollars sure. usually are. Of course, he's, if you're he's got his deal. So I mean, whatever the role is, go get him. Yeah, I mean, and and you're right. I mean, a starter's going to get paid, but if he's the guy that that they feel is is better in that role, I put him in the back end. We uh, welcome your thoughts throughout the course of our initial here, the Hot Stove Show debut presented by Mattress Direct. We are in the Design Air Heating and Cooling Studios. Design Air, the sponsor of our studios on the Hot Stove Show, which we will be doing once a week. Follow us on Facebook. It is Dan McLaughlin and Tim McKernan present the Hot Stove Show and on Twitter at Hot Stove Show. And you can watch this anytime, and then it'll be on Dan's podcast, Scoops with Danny Mac. And my podcast, The Tim McKernan Show, so even if you can't watch it, you can listen to it whenever, and we welcome your questions and participation. Uh, Seth Goldcamp and his family, they've been doing it for generations at Design Air Heating and Cooling. They're online at designairservice.com. They're the number one train dealer in the Midwest. Uh, I am a client of Design Air Heating and Cooling, and I cannot recommend them enough to the people watching. They do a great job. Uh, Seth has really built something special with him and his family. It's Design Air Heating and Cooling, the sponsor of our studios here on the Hot Stove Show, designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. This soundbite from Mazalok, I think, was the one that got m- the most people talking, and that's when we asked him about what has changed, Dan, since those, those times we were talking about, the late 90s and the early 2000s, when you had McGuire, Edmonds, Roland, Holiday deciding to stay here and why they haven't been as successful and is it a st louis thing what is causing that here is what john mazelak had to say when we had that conversation 
look, um, that's our owner's frustration with me. I mean, that's when I get in trouble. But, you know, it's, it's about, like, being prudent and trying to do what's right. But, you know, bigger topic. Is St. Louis a desirable place to play? I think the answer is yes. Is it what it was 15 or 20 years ago? The answer is no. Why? Because a lot of front offices, a lot of ownerships are getting a lot more sophisticated, a lot smarter, and they're making their places more attractive as well. But, you know, that's not to say that we're in some steady state where we're not looking to get better or we're not looking to improve. And, and so, you know, when you talk about, like, what do we do to recruit, what do we do to sell, you know, we, we try to put the positives of St. Louis on there. But, you know, depending on what the player is looking for, depending on the market size he wants to play in, we are who we are to some level. And, you know, playing in front of over 3 million fans a year I do think is still an attraction. I think uh, being in the center of the country is still helpful. But, you know, there are things that could improve. Like if you have an airport that can fly in more places, that would, that would help. Um, <laughs> no, it would. It's just like you, you, you. I mean, think about your own businesses when you go to work and where you got to go. It's just it's helpful. And so, you know, when you look at, at at our city and how we try to improve, I do feel like it's 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 more of a larger issue than just what's happening at Bush Stadium. So there it is, John Mazalek talking about free agency and. And I do think if you take a step back, it's a case-by-case basis. Now, there's been a lot of bridesmaiding, and he said Bill DeWitt is not happy that they've been bridesmaids here recently. He said that on the stage with us. But if you go case-by-case, and if you want to start with Hayward, Hayward, I think I do think there's something to it. He just did not want to be the guy. He actually said as much. You know, and while some people go, really? He wanted to be part of the group in Chicago. Well, I I think there's something... Let's go back, though. I don't whether it's Hayward um, and whether it's the. See, I was going to go through Hayward, well, Price, Stanton. Those would well, be the recent examples. Let, let me just say this: if you were the the twenty some odd managers that were prior to Joe Madden, there was something about going to Chicago and having a chance to be the guy yeah. that won in Chicago. I get that. I understand, you know, if you had the chance to go to, to Chicago and be one of the guys that was the first to win with the Cubs, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And he could see it. It was coming. The nucleus was there. It was close. The money was, you know, I mean, the, the money was about the same from the two right, teams. Right. I guess the Cardinals had a little bit more from reports. Um, and the nucleus was a little bit younger in Chicago, so maybe that's what Hayward saw. Um, I don't think he had a problem with the players in St. Louis uh, from people I talked to. I don't think that was the problem. I think maybe he just wanted to go to Chicago, and yeah. th- and that was it. Um, and your other instances was Price, that- the Red Sox came way over the top. Last minute. Yep. That was last minute. He said he woke up thinking he was going to be a Cardinal the morning he signed with the Red Sox. Yep, that was last minute. I know that. And then regarding Stanton, you had a spot where, you know, one of the theories is wherever Derek Jeter set him up, it didn't matter where it was going to be. He wasn't going to go because he was so irritated by the way that that was handled. He was going to show I'm the one that holds the final gun on this deal, and I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to St. Louis. But the thing that's forgotten in that discussion, and is that a shot at St. Louis, is that he also turned down San Francisco. And San Francisco, if we're going to be judging cities here, it's a world-class city, and he turned down San Francisco as well. I think when it got down to it, he wanted to go to New York or L.A., and that was just kind of it. 
Yeah. As simple as, as, simple <laughs> I mean, as that. I so. so I think some of this free agency talk, I think sometimes is, is kind of a referendum on some self-esteem issues in St. Louis over the last X amount of years. And that's why I think some fans would love to see somebody choose St. Louis, choose St. Louis. And there would be a great immediate response to whoever it is, if they're one of the big ones, to choose St. Louis. Well, Mo did point out, he said, look, if you love baseball, um, if you like playing in front of 3.4 million fans, if you come out on a Tuesday night um, against some of the lesser teams in, in baseball and you see 40,000 people a night, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And he's right. You know, I've been doing this coming up, I guess it'll be 22 years being affiliated with the club. And, you know, we go to certain cities and, and you know, you got 10,000 people in the seats. Yeah. You know, and there's that's just such a That's got to be such a buzzkill. Just like no energy, man. And, and there's nobody there. And there's no buzz to the ballpark there's no atmosphere um and i sound like a homer when i say it but it is different in st louis um a weekend and and the cardinals have really done a nice job with the giveaways and that so the out-of-town fans it's, it's a regional team i mean there's the the st louis summers on the weekends it's you know it's what fans do that's mm-hmm. they base their vacations around that and they come in that's what they do so we have great crowds on the weekends. A lot of weeknights are, are packed too. Um, so there is a uh, there is something to that. The money they're they're making money. There's no question. The Cardinals are making money. They're spending money. They're trying to. We've talked about that. They're trying to bring people here, in terms of of the players. Um, but I'm with you. It, it would be something if a big name player said, "I want to go to St. Louis because I like St. Louis yeah. and I like the fan base and I've been there as a visiting player and it seems like as a baseball player." Seems like a great place to play. Yeah, it would mean. I just think it would mean so much to the region. I think it would be a big kick for the Cardinal fans, but the region, if Bryce Harper goes, the guy, and we've been talking about his free agency for yeah. years already, chooses St. Louis. That's why I'm just anxious to see how the whole thing actually winds up playing out. Somebody on Twitter and Periscope just asked about the Yankees and Cardinals doing a deal that would involve Carlos Martinez and Miguel Andohar, and we spoke about the possibility of the Yankees squaring. Anything's, anything's on the table at this but point. To your point, going back to it, and I'm sure we got to wrap it up here, but the PR aspect, if you signed Harper, would be immense. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, the fan base would go crazy. Can you even imagine what it would look It'd like? It'd be huge. Yeah, you know, I think last year with Stanton, it would have been big. Um, I think re-signing Hayward would have been a sign in the right direction because the money was big. I'm so glad they didn't. And you retained your own guy. Um, Price would have been big because he was a big-name guy. But this is one that is because of what we were talking about before, the intrigue with him. He's the big name. Um, he fits the needs of, of the club. Um, and, you know, the players that are on the current roster are getting a little bit older, and, and he would be the face. And in a way, he is the face of baseball. Uh, that's something that, you know, Mike Trout is, I think, the best player in the game. Um but maybe Harper is the face of the of the sport because he's the guy you see more than for whatever yeah, reason do. Trout. Now the the, know, the East Coast element, ten o'clock at right, night, yeah, you know? yeah, and he, you know, I mean, the signature elements in, in the postseason where he's had a few of them, uh, some good, some bad. Yeah, certainly he is the guy at this particular moment. All right, I want to read a few from the Triad Bank viewer line here. Uh, let's see what we got. No on Manny Machado, very talented but childish. And a clubhouse cancer. I did think it was interesting, by the way, and I don't know what you thought of this because you're around these guys 162 games a year. For Christian Yelich, who I think we would both agree, even though you're around him and I'm not, is not like a guy who just pops off 
And when that happened with Aguilar in the postseason, I was shocked when he did that. And yeah. then he said, "No, that's just a dirty play by the dirty one of the dirtiest players in the game." That <laughs> speaks to the fact that it's just kind of understood inside of baseball yeah. that yeah, he's a dirty player, and we know it. So we we do some of these uh, games in spring training where I'll work with the analyst of, of yeah, yeah, yeah. The Marlins, and and it's kind of a, a split feed with. Fox Sports Florida and Fox Sports Midwest. And so I've had the chance to interview him or be around him and do pregame interviews and stuff. Very uh, understated and kind of quiet, you know, but very nice, mm-hmm. you know. And, and then you talk to him off camera and very nice, yeah. you know, and just you can tell he's just kind of an understated guy. And then when I heard that, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Took How about me back for him? Over. Exactly. You know, you thought he might be opinionated about it and frustrated about it, upset about it. But then when he said what he said, it, it yeah, it, it Took me back a little bit. I was I was surprised. Yeah, it stands out. And, and yeah. So that the reason I bring it up is if he's saying it, then it must be something that is understood and accepted sure. throughout the game. John Cletus Watson, the great Cletus, says he is loving this. Thank you, Cletus. There were also compliments from uh, Stephen Elgin regarding the quality of the production of this broadcast, and that's uh, Gangster Pete, Joe Roderick, Nick, and uh, Patrick deserve all the credit Those for that. Those guys did unbelievable. Oh, my God, yeah. What they have uh, turned this thing into is a major credit to them. Uh, let's see. Uh, and then finally, final question from the Triad Bank viewer line. Who is the Cardinal catcher after Yadier Molina? Uh, Kelly is the top prospect, but you also Ooh, have another good a... catcher in waiting. What do you know on that since you are, yeah. uh, Mr. Minor Leagues? Well, I, I talked to Carson the other day of all things at a car wash. Uh, really? How yeah. random is this? Ran into him. You would have uh, thought we set this up, <laughs> but we did not. Ran into him. Uh, I guess it's been two weeks. Talked for a long time. Um, he stays in St. Louis. Um, and Matt Adams is in St. Louis, and, and a few other guys are in and out of town. But they, they're living here and, and work out here, and there's a bunch of guys that actually are playing in the major leagues that, that work out here in St. Louis and hit and do various things. But um, Carson's in great shape. Uh, big year for him. I, it just turned 24. Uh, it was a frustrating year for him because, yeah. you know, got off to a slow start in spring training. Um, and, you know, everybody's been talking about being the heir apparent to Yachty, number one catching prospect in baseball. He's been up and down. I think his, his, his on-base percentage last year and slugging percentage was pretty good, I believe, in the minor leagues. So, as is, he goes to camp, I would assume, as the backup. Pena is no longer in the organization. Andrew Kisner's coming. That that's the next guy, and he can hit, but is not as defensively sound as Kelly. That's another guy that, as the winter meetings come up, if if I'm Carson Kelly's agent, I'm I'm going to the Cardinals saying, "Hey, my guy, he's been a good soldier. He's kept his mouth shut. He's right. been a good citizen. You know, what are the plans? You know, where's he at right now? We we get it. Yachty's the guy, and he's been the face of the franchise, but I got a good guy here too. And he wants to play and, and this is his career and I represent him. So what are we going to do? And I'm sure those conversations are, are probably taking place. So uh, it's a big year for him personally, I would think. Um, And then Kisner's the guy that's, that's behind him. So that's what they have in waiting. Uh, We'll see what's coming up. But again, as we continue to do this show, and I think we're probably going to do 30 to 40 of these. So we're going to do a bunch of them, but that's that's what's happening here. Uh, Kisner's kind of hot on Kelly. Kelly's the next guy in line, and um, and we'll see what happens. I am looking forward to it. We will be with you throughout the entire off season, both here in St. Louis and then also it's a in, good start, in Jupiter, Florida. I mean, tip of the cap. Dan and I, we we do this, and this is what we do. This is what we do. But for to create something out of absolutely nowhere, like uh, like Pete, Joe, Nick, and Patrick have Thank done you, guys. This. Thank you, boys. Good job. Uh, and I think a lot of people are noticing this isn't just like your standard little thing where we're sitting in front of a tarp like we did 
uh, down at my place in Jupiter, Florida earlier this year. That was good, too. Though. But that was a lovely tarp. Yeah, it was really nice. But this nice. is like a whole thing. I mean, this is a whole thing. And I can't wait to turn here and talk to somebody and like have a conversation like Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon. I can't nice. wait. This will be fun. So tip of the cap to you guys. Thank you to Mattress Direct. Uh, Mattress Direct, the presenting sponsor of the Hot Stove Show, uh, which makes its debut uh, here today, and you can watch anytime you want. You know, this isn't like okay, that's yeah, live, but it's still going to be up on Facebook, still going to be up on Periscope, and of course, you can podcast it and just listen to it on Scoops with Danny Mac uh, and the Tim McKernan Show. You should be subscribing to those programs as it is already. Yeah, I, that's what that's what I would say. I might scold the people if they haven't started subscribing. <laughs> Thank you to Mattress Direct, and man, I'm telling you, you know, you, we were talking about it. You you sometimes have trouble falling asleep. Yeah. Oh my God. I had trouble falling asleep, and I, I would wake up, and then, I, and then I'd just be a mess all day, yes. and I got a new mattress because I would get too warm. Beautifully. I really am. Because it, sometimes I'll sleep on the road in a hotel, and my God, I bet that, that probably plays a big factor for you because you're yes, bouncing from hotel to hotel. Oh, you get, a good, uh, you get a good mattress, and it can be a game changer. Mattress Direct has these temperature control mattresses to make it cool, which is what I need. You can check them out online at stlmattressdirect.com. They're local sleep specialists working at a local factory, direct showroom, making local products better for the economy and the environment. If you don't have to truck them across the country, they're fresher for less farm-to-table. It's Mattress Direct, the presenting sponsor of this fine program. Great buys from the local guys, stlmattressdirect.com, the presenting sponsor of the Hot Stove Show. Dan, there it is. Uh, Edition number one is officially... In the books. Nice work. God bless, sir. Thank you uh, for coming by to hear the uh, world headquarters. And thank you to Nick, uh, Joe, Patrick, and Pete for putting it all together. And thank you to our viewers and our listeners.